Hey everybody, this is Pastor James. Welcome back to the Midweek Bible Study. We are starting chapter 23 today of Matthew and should get about halfway through it. Um, from what we can read and understand, we're still in the same day, um, what we believe to be on Monday. So there's about five days left of Jesus' earthly life. He's still battling these pesky religious leaders. And today we're going to cover uh, the woes, the eight woes that he has for um, the the religious leaders and the people of his day. Now, some people may say seven woes, some people may say eight. We'll get to that a little bit more as we read on. But let's start reading in verses 1 through 22, and we'll cover about half the chapter, and then we'll talk about it. It says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and his disciples, The teachers of religious law and Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example, for they don't practice what they preach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. On their arms they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside, and they wear robes with extra long tassels. And they love to sit at the head of the table at banquets and in the seats of honor in the synagogues. <clears throat> they love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces and be called rabbi. Don't let anyone call you rabbi, for you have only one teacher, and all of you are equal as brothers and sisters." And don't address anyone here on earth as Father, for only God in heaven is your Father. And don't let anyone call you teacher, for you have only one teacher, the Messiah. The greatest among you must be a servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves, and you don't let others enter either. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cross land and sea to make one covenant, and then you turn that, that person into twice the child of hell you yourselves are. Blind gods, what sorrow awaits you, for you say that it means nothing to swear by God's temple, but it is binding to swear by the gold in the temple. Blind fools, which is more important, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? And you say to swear by the altar is not binding, but to swear by the gifts on the altar is binding. How blind! For which is more important, <clears throat> the gift on the altar or the altar that makes the gift sacred? <clears throat> when you swear by the altar, you are swearing by it and everything on it. And when you swear by the temple, you are swearing by it and God who lives in it. And when you swear by heaven, you are swearing by the throne of God and by God who sits on the throne. Okay, let's get started. Now, you have to remember that Jesus had given the Pharisees the opportunity to acknowledge him as the Messiah at the end of chapter 22. And instead of them acknowledging Jesus as the Messiah, they gave their very bland textbook answer upon which Jesus quoted a psalm asking why David referred to the Messiah as Lord if the Messiah was the son of David. And because of their unwillingness to acknowledge Christ as the Messiah and answer these questions that Jesus asked, Jesus begins speaking to the crowds in chapter 23 about the stubbornness and hypocrisy of the religious leaders. Now first you have to notice that Jesus doesn't call the people to rebel against the religious leaders. This is really, really important. He actually tells the people to obey their teachings, but not to follow their example. This is so important as Jesus came to fulfill the law and not to abolish the law. It was very important for Jesus to uphold the law 
and not try to discard or discredit it in any way. And just because the religious leaders were not living according to the will of God does not mean that the law itself was bad. Uh, they were not upholding the law as they should, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they were misteaching the law in such a way that the people should not obey their teachings. In fact, the law is good, but the way the religious leaders upheld it was just wrong. And so Jesus says to obey their teachings in order to honor the law, but don't follow their example because if you do, you won't be honoring the law. And God has called, you got to remember this, God has called certain people to communicate and uphold the law. He's called certain people to preach, certain people to teach. And not everybody who does it, does it with the purity and holiness that God has called them to. But even though they don't, even though their examples do not meet the standard that God has for them, it doesn't mean that what God has called them to is bad. That's important to remember. So, um, Jesus is calling them to obey the teachings. Now, let's talk about what Jesus is judging these religious leaders for. And you have to remember, Jesus is the one that is the judge. He will judge all people on Judgment Day. The Messiah will be the one who decides who enters eternity justified and spends eternity with God. And he decides who are the goats that will be cast out from the presence of God for all eternity. So the first thing that Jesus is condemning these religious leaders of um, is that they don't practice what they preach. Um, we have already addressed their hypocrisy, and so we really don't have to go back and talk about hypocrisy again, but they were very hypocritical. They weren't practicing what they preached. So, um, the second thing Jesus talks about is that they crush the people with unbearable religious demands, and they never lift a finger to help them. Now, the main difference between uh, what Jesus did what God wanted and what Jesus accomplished and what the religious leaders did was that what they were doing is they were heaping up the this pile of of impossible religious demands upon the people and, and they were they they took the law of God and they actually expanded it. I mean, when you actually look at the book of the law of the religious leaders that they had, it was almost twice as thick or more than twice as thick as the original law of God that God gave Moses on the mountain. So they had really just taken the law of God, dissected it, added in their own interpretations, added in their own views, their own preferences. There was just so much there. And they didn't do this in order to help the people in their walk with God. But really, they did this to elevate themselves, to make themselves seem greater than what they were. And what Jesus did was that he came to relieve the people, to serve the people. He didn't heap a pile of expectations and a burden on them that they could not bear, but rather he told them, Come to me, all who are weak and weary, for my yoke or my burden is light, and uh, my yoke is easy to bear. Um the thing about this, you look back at the end of chapter 22, and you look at Jesus' response to their question about, okay, which law is the most important? And you remember that they had like 600 and something laws. I mean, I mean, it was just like crazy, all these laws. And Jesus didn't mention a law. He said, love God and love people. He simplified it. 
And he said, if you can do this, if you can love God and you can love people, you can fulfill the entire law. All the law is wrapped up in that simple thing. And so Jesus came to ease the burden on people to help them have a relationship with God. The religious leaders were piling on this burden that was unable to bear, and they weren't doing anything to help the people bear the burden at all. Now, the third thing that they did was everything that they did was for show. They did it to be seen and not simply because they loved God. They wanted to be elevated in the eyes of people. And as a result, they were taking glory and honor away from God. Now, this is important to remember. Um, they loved to wear their big prayer boxes with scripture inside and long tassels on their clothing. And, and this was the direct effort to try to live according to the law of Moses. And, and God told Moses, he says, you know, tie your scriptures and bound them, you know, on your foreheads and carry them with you, carry my word with you, you know, make sure that you pray. And, and so this probably started out as a very genuine way of trying to honor God, but it ended up as a way to just show off and try to outdo everybody with these large prayer boxes that they were carrying around, these very long tassels showing that they really loved to pray and that this reminded them that they should be praying and this is what they were doing. But Jesus said they also loved their seats of honor and they loved to sit at the head of table and they loved to be greeted respectfully and they loved to be called rabbi. It was all about the position and they were more focused on what they were receiving rather than what God was receiving. Now that's important. They were more focused on what they were receiving rather than what God was receiving. They weren't steering people to God. They were steering people to themselves. And this is why they were very quick to testify falsely and have Jesus murdered. Jesus was taking away what they believed rightfully belonged to them. The honor, the recognition, the authority, the power. Jesus was taking that from them, and this is why they were willing to testify falsely and murder him. They were willing to sin to get rid of them because Jesus was robbing them of what they thought was theirs. So God's will wasn't even in the question for these religious leaders. They were too satisfied with the customs of the day because they benefited from it more than what God did. And that's where their hearts were wrong. So then Jesus begins to give explanations as to how these faults should be combated. Um, and this is always important. You know, it's one thing for us to say what's wrong, but it's another thing whenever we actually have an answer for what's wrong. A lot of people love to complain, but they don't have an answer for what they're complaining about. Jesus is condemning these religious leaders, and then he gives directions how to combat their hypocrisy. And because they loved being called teacher, and it was such a desired position, and you got to remember that all the young boys in Israel were sent to school to have the opportunity to become a religious teacher. But only the best and the brightest were chosen to go forward and receive the position. It was a very coveted position to have. And since it was such a coveted title, Jesus said, Don't let anyone call you that. Don't desire that position. You only have one teacher. And the teacher he's referring to is the Messiah, which happens to be himself, the Son of God, God in the flesh. No one should desire the same title as that of God, but these religious leaders coveted and loved their title as teacher. And this is stepping into Satan's territory. When you look at the very heart of Satan, you should remember that he wanted 
all the worship and all the glory and honor that God had. He felt that he deserved it. So, if we're willing to step into that territory, it's very dangerous. No one should want to be called Father, because we only have one Father in heaven. That's God. We shouldn't desire that title from other people. Now, it's different if some if you have a child, and your own child calls you Daddy, or you know, Papa or Father or something like that, that's a little different. But for uh, for religious purposes, there really shouldn't be a desire for you to ever be called Father by someone else because God is our Heavenly Father. And Jesus plainly talks against that. And don't let anyone call you teacher because the Messiah is the teacher. He's the only one who is able to teach the heart of the law. Remember, the religious leaders were teaching the law But they did not understand it completely. Jesus was the one who understood the very heart of the law and gave all the perfect answers and helped the people more than the religious leaders ever did. That was the most important aspect of the law, to know the heart of it, because it's exactly why God gave it to us. God did not give us the law of Moses to burden us down, but he gave it to free us from the consequences of sin. And Jesus goes on, to one of his teachings that he has been communicating for a while. And he says, look, you should be a servant. The greatest among you should be a servant. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And there's an understanding that God wants us to be humble, and the more we are humble, the more that God will lift us up and reward us for it. But when we exalt ourselves, it's prideful, And that's an act of Satan. It's a sin, and we should be exalting God and not exalting ourselves. All right, now let's talk about these eight woes or these seven woes, and I'll explain that in just a second. But the woes, the reason why they're called woes is because in the original King James uh, Version, they're called woes. It says, woe to you religious leaders. Now today... um, our version reads what sorrow awaits you. So if you're looking at it, it's kind of known as the eight woes or the seven woes. And and so let's just get into it so we can explain that. We'll get done with four of them today, but we won't get done uh, with all of them. And we'll, uh, we'll pray and we'll continue on next week to get done with the rest of the eight. So then Jesus talks about what sorrow awaits the religious leaders because they shut the door of the kingdom of God in people's faces And they're very quick to condemn and judge people because of their unwillingness or inability to obey every tiny aspect of the law that they've added to the original law of God, or the law of Moses, as you call it. And because they were so quick to judge other people and refuse the kingdom of God to others, Jesus says that they too would not be allowed. Now here's the thing. Now as we read earlier, we did not read verse 14. And the reason why we didn't read verse 14 is because of the couple of other times I've told you so far in the book of Matthew is that um, when you look at the oldest manuscripts that we have today, verse 14 is not included. And verse 14 talks about the religious leaders cheating the widows out of their homes and their property and then pretending to be pious with their prayers. Um Now, this is something that they probably did, but when you look at the oldest manuscripts of Matthew that we have, it does not include verse 14. So just as a reminder, 
Um, I just wanted to remind you guys of that, that it's not included because the oldest manuscripts doesn't have it in there, so it's not considered, it's considered something that would have been added in later and not a part of the original text of Matthew. And so, it's not that it's wrong or that it's inaccurate in any way, it just, more than likely, they believe it would not have been in the original text. So, it's at the bottom of the page in the footnote section in our modern translations. I always read from the NLT when I do these, so it's at the bottom of the page in the NLT in the footnote section, and it just explains, hey, the oldest manuscripts do not include this. This is why it's not in there, and it's worth looking at, but most biblical scholars believe that it was added in later, and so they have uh, taken it out, put it in the footnotes to make sure that they try to maintain the integrity of the Word of God to the utmost. So... That was one of the eight woes that we have. So if you don't consider verse 14 to be there, then it's technically seven woes, if that makes any sense. Now, the next one on the line is the religious leaders were also very intent on converting people. It says uh, they were they would travel land and sea to go convert people. And, and that was, uh, but they were converting them from the bondage of sin and then they were converting them to a life of bondage to the law. And guys, it was a debt that, they, that these converts could never pay. Um, it was a burden they could never bear. And once someone is made aware of the law, uh, at that from that point on, you're required to live by it. You know, I've kind of thought about this before. It's like, what would it have been like if no one had ever told me about Jesus and sin? And I would not have ever like necessarily felt guilt and shame. But once we know, then we're obligated to obey the law and obey the, our conscience uh, towards the law. The problem is, is that whenever you're converted, if you're not converted to God's grace, love, and mercy, then you can quickly become bound up in sin to the law just as easy, or bound up in the law as you were bound up in sin. And that's really important to understand. You know, when you become legalistic and everything is about checking off your list and doing all these things and obeying all these rules, that can become very overwhelming and just that is not a passionate relationship with Jesus Christ. That's basically just tiptoeing and walking around on eggshells. And nobody wants to do that. So when these people would convert, they would convert to the law but at the same time, the law couldn't save them. And now the people know that there's a law. They know that there's sin, but they turn away from it because they have not been taught its true intentions. They have not been taught the heart of the law. To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And if you can do these two things, you can fulfill every aspect of the law. They had made it so complicated but Jesus had come to simplify it. So that was the third one. Now, the fourth one is that they were blind guides. Um, it, and they were saying that it means nothing to swear by God's temple, but you can swear by the gold in the temple. And they had really just taken the most nitpicky things. I mean, when you look at this woe or this um, um, what sorrow awaits you statement of Jesus, you know, when they're taking it and they're dissecting it down to, well, you can... You can Swear by the temple and not have to fulfill it. But if you swear by the gold in the temple, then you have to fulfill it. Or you can swear by the altar and then you don't have to keep your promise. But if you swear by the gifts on the altar, then you have to keep your promise. 
And, and really what had happened is, is that they had lost the significance of what was sacred and what wasn't. They were totally misled. They were more focused on what they were doing and what they had as religious leaders rather than God and what belonged to God. So Jesus is correcting them, and he talks about the sacredness of the altar, the sacredness of the temple, and God that lives in the temple, the sacredness of heaven and the throne of God, and the God who sits on that throne and dwells in heaven. So it's really important to see that when you look at the religious leaders, they really were misled and just totally off course on so many things in life. But they clung to these laws and these traditions with the utmost fury. And they were willing to put anyone to death who challenged them. And so we have a Savior who is currently in this moment challenging everything that they believe in and stand for. So uh, we're going to stop right there for today. But there was such a deviation away from the reality of what God really wanted from the people that it was time for God to do something new. And it was going to take the Messiah to set them back on course once again. It was going to take the coming of the Holy Spirit for God to dwell in people and make them the temple of God in order for those people, in order for all people to be able to worship Him and serve Him the way that He had called them to. So we're going to stop here today. Uh, these are the four woes. We'll finish up the other four next week. And um, we'll finish up the chapter as Jesus grieves over Jerusalem. But I just want to let you guys know, we, we love you. We are praying for you. I hope that um, you are devoting your life to serving the Lord and seeking His face. And really just trying to honor Him with even the smallest things. If you can love God and you can love people, you can fulfill every aspect of the law. can be pleasing to Christ. And your body can be a temple for the Holy Spirit to dwell in because of your love for Him. If you seek Him and honor Him, God will help you to do that. Not because of your abilities, but because through Christ, all things are possible. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this day and for this time together. Jesus, I pray that you'd speak into our hearts and lives. Lord, show us your way. Show us your love. Show us your mercy. And I pray, Lord, that we would just give you everything. We love you and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in for another week. We love you. We're praying for you. We're so glad you're a part of the Graham family. And if you can't, come on campus this week. Catch us on Facebook, YouTube, or the podcast. Have a great week, guys.